KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon. They are Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And Trent and I are here with you for the next couple of hours talking sports with you on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. Coming up on the program today, as promised, we're going to do a weekly segment on uh, KXNO's MLB team, the St. Louis Cardinals. Brian Walton will be here as play begins the final week of the regular season as they try to hold off the Brewers, a three-and-a-half game lead. Seems like it's a foregone conclusion, but stranger things have happened. They do have that wild card safety net, but uh, we'll talk about the Cardinals and their sweep over the weekend of the Cubs. Frank Schwab uh, from YahooSports.com will join us at 10.45 and then in the 11 o'clock hour, Zubin Mahente from ESPN back from vacation and back on the sports desk, the update desk at ESPN will join us as we go around the world of sports with Zubin. Uh, Mr. Monday Night, another one uh, didn't go your way? <laughs> no, no, not my uh, strongest play last night. Trent, that was bad. I mean, the Washington Redskins. The game plan there? For for whom? For, for the Redskins? I'm not sure what it was. Help me out. We're just going to leave our tackle out on an island on Khalil Mack? Yeah, that wasn't a very good idea. Not a good idea. A couple of times they just had a tight end out of like... Yeah, this, this isn't going to work. It's football 101, right? It's just... Trent, he's unblockable. Coaches we're talking about. He, he's unblockable, and uh, we saw it again last night. Whatever it is about prime time for Khalil Mack, yes, uh, he is a different football player. Well, he's really good in any of the sixteen regular season games, but uh, he's a different player when it seems like the uh, lights are shining the brightest. It was last night. Case Keenum shows you why he continues to be a uh, uh, a vagabond from team to team to team. How did this guy? And this is a better question for Vikings fans. Lead this Vikings team as far as he did, in fact, to an NFC championship game uh, against Philadelphia. How did this guy get this team that far? Because, Trent, I watched him last year as a Broncos stunk. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Watching him last night, night against the Redskins, it's not just all of his fault. But boy, oh boy, this is the best that the NFL has. I mean, he's taking one of 32 starting quarterback jobs in football. Think about that. Right. Case Keenum, how did he get the Vikings as far as he did? He's a perfect backup quarterback. Correct. He's what you want as a backup. Yes. But to go into a season and think you're going to be our guy. Now, for Washington, I guess it's fine. They have Dwayne Haskins waiting in the wings. Mm-hmm. And Alex Smith is walking. Did you yes. see that yesterday's walking around? And Colt his... McCoy would be the starter, but he's hurt. True. So that's kind of what he is. He was just thrust into a role that more than likely he wouldn't be in. But you're right. He The limitations are immense as a backup. Sure. A guy that can go in there, be adequate at the very least, and maybe can steal a game or two if you need him to be your starter. Yeah. But to go into a season with him as your number one? Ooh, yeah, You have no chance. And we've seen that. Uh, again, I don't know how he did it with the Vikings. Now, conversely, the other, the other quarterback in the game, Mitchell Trubisky. Look, Trent, we saw steps last night from him. Uh, I'm not going to go too crazy because he still leaves too many uh, throws on the field. I mean, there were other opportunities. But you know what? If you're watching him, he's 25 for 31. That, that kind of gets your attention, right? Mm-hmm. You see a lot of stuff, you know, not a lot of underneath. And then when he did throw the ball down the field, I mean, Taylor Gabriel, that touchdown in the corner of the end zone that was yeah. originally ruled that he only got one foot down. 
That was not only the catch, but the throw, doing so on the run, rolling out to his right. There was another play later on in the football game where he rolled to his left and hit one of his receivers right on the um, on the sideline. You could see the confidence growing in him. That was against the Redskins. Here comes the Vikings on Sunday. That's a different animal. It's, I would believe it's going to be, but as a Bears fan... What did you see out of your maligned QB? I, I saw a Twitter poll from one of the Bears beat writers. I think it was this morning or late last night. And, and I thought it was Mitchell Trubisky. You're seeing that growth that you talked about there. But B was, you know, happy about the progression, but still a little bit concerned. And well, this, certainly way better than the first two weeks. Yes. And the third one was, well, it's just Washington. And that's still where I sit. This Washington team was giving up 41 yards per drive defensively going mm. into the game. This Washington Deesh. team has some of the most historical and apt defensive back numbers that we've seen in this early portion of the season. It's been a long time since Daryl Green and Champ Bailey patrolled <laughs> right. the secondary. They are really, really bad. Taylor Gabriel had three touchdowns. I know he did. Taylor Gabriel. I know. I mean, there's seasons where Taylor Gabriel doesn't have three right. touchdowns, and he had three in a game. So because yeah. of that, I'm definitely still pumping the brakes. This isn't anything where I'm buying stock in Mitchell Trubisky mm-hmm. and with that defense, he just has to be adequate. I, That's all he has to be. Be Trent Dilfer. I don't think he can. I still don't believe he I can be he even that good I wish he would run more, Trent, because yeah. he's a weapon when he runs the football, and he didn't last night. And I, I don't look. Washington is is inept. This is a bad, bad football team in the uh, pantheon of bad football teams this year. Where There's would a you lot place of them? them? There are. I mean, I saw the stat this morning that kind of blew me away. Do you know? Look at when 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 good teams cut bad players, bad teams get to take the castoffs of good teams. Mm-hmm. You know who's the first on the waiver wire amongst all the zero and threes? I saw this this morning. I was kind of surprised. Denver and Washington have first dibs at the castoffs, huh? Uh, because of the way their season has started. I mean, I look at the Dolphins. I look at the Jets. I, the Broncos are bad, but are they worse than those two teams? I guess I don't know how they equate it. It mm-hmm. has to be a strength of schedule thing somehow. But whatever the case may be, Washington is awful. Speaking of strength of schedule on SportsCenter with Van Pelt after the game, they had a graphic up there, most difficult remaining schedule. And there was a couple of bad teams Already? on there. Already? Yeah. <laughs> with 13 weeks or 13 games left? But the the second most difficult schedule, I can't remember what the team was, but second most difficult, their opponent's win percentage was like 60%. Mm-hmm. The Bears are number one. Sixty-nine and a half. Well, they percent. play in the north. That's what it is. Right. You got the three and zero Packers, the two zero and one Lions. You got the Vikings two at two and one. Yeah, it's a very difficult schedule going forward. Yeah, I'm not buying that. I'm not buying that stat though. I mean, the, the NFC North is off to. And look at we both feel that it's the best division, right? Sure. Yes. But just, I mean, it's a skewed because they're going to see each other so many darn times. Right. Um, Look, I as as a guy who likes to watch that division, your Bears are clearly. I mean, last night's any indication based on that defense, Trent. Based on that defense, they're going to keep you in football games. If mm-hmm. Trubisky doesn't shoot himself in the foot, I'd like to see him run more. And yeah, he dinks and dunks too much. And but when he threw the ball down the field on the run to Taylor Gabriel in the end zone, that one was a, okay. He can do it. He can make those throws. Yes. He can make them. Now, can he make them consistently? Well, that remains to be seen. That does. The schedule going forward, though, this weekend with the Vikings coming to Soldier mm-hmm. Field. And look, at the Vikings have never played well for the most part. I think they won the last year or two anyways. But when the Bears have been bad mm-hmm. and the Vikings have had good teams... It hasn't gone the Vikings' way, Soldier Field. And it's gone the other way a lot of times, too, where the Bears will be bad, the Vikings will be good, and the Bears... It seems like this series, a lot, 
it's a split. Mm-hmm. That's what it turns out to be. Last year, the Bears were able to get them that final week of the season and knock the Vikings out of the playoffs with a victory up at U.S. Bank. But Weren't you there? I was there. That's right. And so. they're the last two years, yeah. and it's week 17 again. Going to guess maybe a Christmas pre- Christmas present again. We'll be, take uh, Jack to, to his first NFL game. Oh, no. I, those tickets are too expensive to take over that one. Are you kidding me? We're not going to U.S. Bank. We'll go to like a... Uh, go to well, a Dolphins game. Uh, you got to get to Miami, I guess. Costs a little bit more, but this isn't a must win. It's week four, mm-hmm. but it kind of feels like a must you win. You want to see him go up against you know a team that you're going to have to help finish and do so with your quarterback performing at a high level. Mm-hmm. I mean, not even at a high level, an adequate level. Do enough. Do enough. Uh, which Gruden's got a worse football team? Jay. Yeah, I think so too. For sure. Yeah, I think so too. Oakland still has some talent. He has. I mean, David Carr is what a top fifteen quarterback. You know what? He's not as good as uh, he. I thought he was going to be really good. I thought he was going to be a top ten. And guy. yeah, okay, middle of the pack quarterback yeah. right now. Um, in that fourteen to twenty range, yeah, somewhere some, in there, somewhere in there. I guess that's good enough. But uh, boy, both of those Gruden's. Look, we know which one's going to last the longer. John's got a lifetime contract for the most part, $100 million, and it's guaranteed. And they're not getting, uh, he's taking that team to Vegas at the very least when they go next year. But this is it for Jay Gruden. If you're a Redskins fan, um, Daniel Snyder, yeah. look, since he's taken over this team, Trent, it's been an unmitigated disaster. What did I hear their record at home on Monday Night Football since Snyder took over? I think, I think you know what it was? I think it was. Um, Troy Aikman tweet boy he was active on Twitter last night. Troy Aikman. Oh, was he? Who was he ever taking? A, I'll tell you about the next one in a second. But I think it was him that pointed that out. Like, like one two and in, one and eight, but two and fourteen. I don't. know. Yeah, I think it was two and fourteen since Snyder. That's at home, right? Monday Night Football primetime. Uh, yeah, in primetime. But uh, oh, man. so somebody tweeted last night, and I think it was just a. I don't know who it was, but. Um, Patrick Mahomes has already got 33% of the whatever that Troy Aikman had in his entire career. And Aikman saw it and tweeted back, come talk to me when he's got 33% of my Super Bowl rings. Oh. So, Shots fired out of you. You know what? I was kind of surprised that you know, Troy Aikman's a Hall of Famer. Yes. Troy Aikman's the... Uh, the other half of the number one broadcast team on Fox. Now, it certainly made for... Uh, an interesting night as far because the game stunk. The game was awful. I, mm-hmm. the, the, it got kind of interesting. Was it fourth quarter? It did, and, the, yeah. and the Redskins are marching down the field. They go for it on fourth and one in case Keenum thinks you just have to stick the ball over uh, the, the, the line to gain and you'll get credit because as soon as it takes to the line to gain, the play stops. Well, it does if you're going into the end zone. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not the case where you were on the field. Ball gets knocked out. I think it was Trevathan who had a hell of a game last night. Yes, he did. Uh, and uh, Eddie Made Jackson Brandon falls Sheriff on. look really bad Ooh, on that delayed delay. Wasn't that something? That's a Beauty. He looks away. Mm-hmm. What, did, what did Booger call Came the dead leg, and then Scherf kind of loses interest in the guy he's supposed to block. Trevathan just shoots through what now was a an unmanned gap, and wow, laid one on Keenum. I want to get your perspective. The Bears defense. You know what a big Vic Fangio fan I was uh-huh. as the defensive coordinator, and I wasn't exactly sold on Chuck Pagano. I think you can be. You like, again, Washington, mm-hmm. but three games in. It doesn't feel like they've taken a step back. No, Trent, it absolutely doesn't. I mean, look, they got some guys, let's be honest. Yes. That uh, defensive line is stout. I love both of their young uh, linebackers. Eddie Jackson, as I said yesterday, is uh, is elite. Mm-hmm. I think he's becoming elite. Roquan Smith is, he's is awesome. terrific. Danny Trevathan, I'm surprised he's still playing at the level. When he left Denver, I thought he was done. Mm-hmm. Now he's another performer. You know, just every time I look at stats, 
Just Shaquille Shaq Barrett yeah. is leading the NFL in sacks. I saw that. He couldn't play in Denver last year. You know why? Because, <laughs> and now they can't get a sack. Right. They, they don't they have they a, sack a sack in three games. Shaq, Shaquille Barrett was behind, obviously, Bradley Chubb and Vaughn Miller. But prior to that, they drafted, what's the kid from uh, Missouri, grew up in Kansas City, Shane? Oh. Uh, yeah, like he's a sub- He got in trouble with marijuana right before the draft. Shane Ray. Okay. Shane Ray. And, of course, he was the number one pick, and he's going to play against the guy who, you know, because mm-hmm. Elway identified him. But Shaquille Barrett, they couldn't afford to sign him. Now he's tearing the league up. But to your point on Fangio, no, I don't think that this defense has taken even a baby step back. They're legit, Trent. Abs- Ha-ha, Clinton Dix. Look at him. Mm-hmm. The turnaround he had. What a game he had last night. Fuller is stout. Jackson is elite. Um, Amukamura is solid. Solid. I think he's probably the weakest link, and that's not that's not – Necessarily, it sounds like a knock. Yeah, um, but Akeem when Hicks he's the is weak, awesome. when he's just, the weakest link, you got something there. If injuries don't hit, this defense is going to keep them in every single game. They're mm-hmm. going to have an opportunity every single time. It's a very simple equation, Mitchell Trubisky, right? Yeah, it's as, it's as simple, simple as, that. as that. It's as simple as that. Line play was better last night. Again, <laughs> going was. up against the Redskins. Let's you know we'll revisit this on Monday next week after mm-hmm. we see the Vikings and if they're able to stop those guys coming through the line because they've got some dudes. That's a good defense too. Look, there's good defense in that division. Packers are way better. The yes. Smith brothers are incredible. Um, not brothers, but the Smiths. Uh, the Vikings play incredibly hard. Detroit's off to a good start. It's going to be fun to watch, boys. It's going to be a really, really good division. You want to go uh, closer to home now hmm. and Bandgate 2019 you know, we that continues? No, we haven't brought this topic up once, and I like to talk about games. And, I'm the exact same Right, way. and maybe this is why we have fallen so far behind as far as the popularity in this building <laughs> with the shows, because we don't touch these topics, and maybe we should open up the phones and take band calls. I, 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 I don't want to. I know. I just it's, don't want to. We like talking about the games. Right. There, there's particulars that come in. There's little nuance that comes in. And we'll bring that up, but I'm the exact same way. But the reason that it hit me yesterday... Well, because of the fact that the president of Iowa says they're going to think about canceling the, the, the series. And that's when it becomes, I think, it more moves into our, we talk Yeah, about. it moves into... Yes, I agree with you there. Um, the topic, it makes my head hurt. Investigate it. Do what you have to do. But the last resort, I still don't understand, and I see this a lot, Trent. There are, and and maybe it's just because it's gotten to be such a nasty, seemingly, and it's not everybody. It's small pockets, but they're the loudest. Mm-hmm. They speak the loudest on Twitter, which is so good, and it's so bad. Um, they we we hear from them, and it's. The canceling this game has to be the last option. You really don't want to replace, if you're a Cyclone, Iowa with a Colorado or a Nebraska. If you're Iowa, you don't want Missouri or, I don't know, fill in and give me another team. I don't, I don't know. Um, Auburn. Auburn, right. Yeah, it'd be cool to go to that when it's, mm-hmm. when it's, the, when the Hawks are on the road. You want to go to Oxford to see Old Miss, perhaps. But do you really want to cut off your nose to spite your face? And I think that's what we'd be doing here. See, what I continually look at with this rivalry is where we are. And where we are, it is the biggest game. When you say biggest game in the state, it's the biggest game in central Iowa. But I think statewide, don't you? I, I've lived in eastern Iowa. I lived there for a long time, and it doesn't have the but same But do you have kind of- the vitriol when you're playing Wisconsin all week long? 
Yeah. You really do. You do. And see, I've never lived there, and obviously I've never done talk radio over there, so I have no idea. But you, So you think that this is a central Iowa rivalry only is where you're coming from? I wouldn't say only. It's more important here. A lot more important okay. here than it is in other portions of the state. Iowa State, yes, they're still an in-state rival, whatever portion of the so state you, you don't go think to. It's, so it's the Hawkeye fans that don't consider that, that don't want this game? In the, because you lived in the eastern part of the state. Mm-hmm. You went to school at Iowa, northern Iowa. I think you would be surprised how because because Iowa State's getting good because no 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 this is I mean this has been something that I think has been prevalent for a long time it just it doesn't have that same kind of pull that it does here it's a fifty fifty split here you go to Eastern Iowa mm-hmm. you don't run into cycle so fans. so why don't you want to play Iowa State if you live over there I think people want something different I, I think people are frustrated mm-hmm. with a Mac school. A mid-major, another mid-major, and Iowa State, year mm-hmm. after year after year. So th- so if you bring Missouri in, you think that would have the same emphasis and the same buzz it wouldn't. in eastern Iowa? It wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have the same kind of buzz. But when you are locked into this game every single year, and you don't have that flexibility, and you don't have the ability to go out. And we've heard the talk about Iowa tried to schedule a non-conference game, many people believe, against Notre Dame in Soldier Field. And it was a non-starter because they needed to take a one-year break in order to do that in well, this why series, why do they? Why do they really don't have to? They they want that's the way that they're going to yes. do it. They don't have to take a break. They could throw out Middle Tennessee mm-hmm. or whomever the Red Hawks of Miami and play Notre Dame, but they don't want to play two. They want to have three, at least if they're playing eight games. Mm-hmm. Not cream puffs, but no, they play nine conference games, and that's oh, that's right, nine, and yes. that's what it became because yes. in the past I would play. Arizona and Arizona State and Syracuse mm-hmm. and Pitt and we can go back uh, however long you want. They played two of these games. Now with nine conference games, you can play one. With only one and not having that flexibility, it becomes uh, becomes frustrating. And, and when you you can say it's because Iowa State's good in the past, you can say because Iowa State was bad and you wouldn't get any credit for that victory. Whatever the reason is behind it. That locked in. It's frustrating to Hawkeye fans mm-hmm. that there isn't that kind of flexibility. So if we think we, and this is never going to happen, obviously, but if there was a statewide vote, a referendum on this game, which fan base would, and heck you can't because you can't declare your fandom when you show up in the voting booth. <laughs> um, it surprises me. So, But you think it's more Iowa fans that would rather see the end of this game as opposed to Iowa State fans? Now, this is from Hawkeye Report, Tom Caker's website. Uh-huh. So it's obviously very skewed. This is a poll that I saw up on the website. Would you like to see some type of break or rotation, something I've been a proponent of, to having Iowa State on the football schedule? 83% of the votes said yes. These are Hawkeye fans, Mm -hmm. but 83% of the people that voted on this out of the Hawkeye fans How many people voted, does it say? Uh, Looks like just shy of 600. Pretty significant number. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 500 people, five of the 600. Said, like to see a break. And that's what it is. I don't want this series to go away. This series is great, and especially for what we are of Central Iowa. But for the Iowa fans that do want to see something different, I went to Arizona. I went to Arizona State. I went to those games. It was fun. It was able to get mm-hmm. out and go in September and go have fun in a different portion of the season. To go do that. To have that game. Now, this is what needs to happen. If there is going to be a hiatus, and that's all it would be, every a two-year out of every 10-year cycle, something like that to get flexibility. And Iowa State can go out and schedule who they want, and Iowa for those two years can go out and schedule who they want to do something, but it's got to be big. It can't be Missouri. No. It can't be Arkansas. 
it needs to be a name program. Now, you don't have to be Clemson or Alabama either, but it has to be big time. It can't be Syracuse or Pitt that mm-hmm. they played in the past. It needs to be that step up. And I think for Iowa State, so too. So if you can't get Notre Dame, who do you want to play? Who do you want to see? Georgia? Texas? USC? Instead of Iowa State? Two years. Or in addition to Iowa State. No, because I was not going to be the only team in the country to play 11 Power 5 games. I don't think they would be, but there's been a, there's only a couple of them, but they're very And how few. has it gone? Not well. No, I... I mean, Notre Dame doesn't play 11 Power 5 conference teams. They have flexibility in their schedule, mm-hmm. and they never schedule that they way. With the nine-game conference schedule, mm-hmm. 10 is the max. The SEC plays nine. Mm-hmm. They play eight conference games and then one. ACC does the same thing. Play, they play nine. I was not going to play 11. You're going to put yourself at a decided disadvantage to do that. So who do you want? Who does Iowa State want to play? Who would make sense for well, Iowa Nebraska State? Nebraska would make sense. Yes. Minnesota would make sense. Colorado, but Minnesota's not going to be as Minnesota Iowa State's not going to be near It's, it's the not going to move the needle. It's not. But just some kind of this is something Hawkeye so, fans want to see. So the final straw is going to be Bandgate when we think back to this. Very well, could. So 20 years from now, if talk radio has survived, remember back in 2000, well, what brought an ending? Well, it was the legislature. The polit- no, it wasn't the politicians. It was the band. Mm. It's an excuse. Anything for an out. So it sounds like Iowa wants out. Oh, yeah. Is, is, you don't think Iowa I, don't, I don't think out forever, but just some kind of break, some kind of... But didn't Barta say on the day of the game, and wasn't it reported in the pregame... The Barta was talking to Dolphin, and if it's up to Kirk Ferentz and Gary Barta, mm-hmm. this series will never end. Those so what's two are that changed? Way. Nothing's changed with those two guys. This is bigger than those two guys. This is something that is, is there really anybody up there really bigger than Kirk Ferentz? But I mean, Barta no, answers the not, not individually, but collectively, yeah. And this ugliness, it's gone too far. And the way but the university is such a, and I'm not, I sound like I'm minimizing the incident. This is, is it isolated? I mean, I know that fans, we're, we're, next year we're going to hear from Iowa State fans how horribly they got treated. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if I looked hard enough, I could hear from Iowa fans this year how horribly they got treated. But hasn't that always been the case? Yes. And isn't that the case whatever stadium you go to? Absolutely. I've had terrible experiences at Ohio Stadium. Right. Terrible experiences and I'm at guessing Camp Ohio State fans felt bad or had awful experiences at Kinnick. Yes. It goes both ways. Right. This isn't isolated just to Iowa State. And and for the Iowa State fans to get all upset, and this isn't just an indictment on Iowa State. It's the rivalry component and the other issues that arise here. It's the best thing in sports in our state, and it's going to go away because we can't figure out a way to be civil. Let's hope that's not the case. I just can't see it. I really can't. Um, we'll take a timeout. Brian Wald's going to join the program next. We're going to completely switch gears. Uh, we'll do Cardinals. We will do the NFL. We'll have some more time to revisit this uh, because the press conference is scheduled to start at 11. Who's speaking? The head of the, I uh, believe, the chief of the Iowa State Police, um, Winterstein, I believe that's how you pronounce her name, the president of Iowa State, mm-hmm. and Pollard will be there, and they'll do, they will uh, hold that press conference prior to the Matt Campbell, so they've got a captive audience. Everybody was headed there anyways to hear from, uh, at least the Iowa State menu was headed there anyways. What's going to come out of it? Is this going to be a response to Bruce Harold? I would guess so. Maybe there's more in the So will Iowa State throw down a gauntlet? Will Iowa State... We'll see. This The ball is in Iowa State's court. Well, How they handle this? there no police report? If this was, if indeed, and I'm not saying there wasn't, there wasn't, I don't know. But why wouldn't you have filled out a report? Because you get back to the bus and you want to get out of there. I don't know. 
But you, want, you don't have I mean, to yeah, find you, that out before you leave. <laughs> you get in a bar fight, do you fill out a police report, or you just want to get out of there? Yeah, but you, you, you certainly don't, like, you don't have only, you know, a half hour to fill this out, or it's, it's not valid. You can do it at some point later on. And Barta looked into it and, and called the whole thing well, off. Well, Barta's a moron. I mean, let, let's be honest. This guy has completely screwed this up from the get-go, from his first press release. And it's not a surprise. I mean, he's been a disaster. He is a PR nightmare for the University of Iowa. Anytime he does something... It seems like he does it wrong, mm. and this is just another step of that. This should not have got to this point. It should not have been handled the way the University of Iowa, and especially Gary Bart, has handled it, mm-hmm. and here we are. Mm-hmm. Another screw-up. All right, uh, Brian Walton next from uh, Miller & Con in Des Moines Sports Station, 14 Formation. Streaming live from coast to coast on iHeartRadio, this is 1460 KXNO. Governor Reynolds has chimed in. Uh-oh. You know, I knew it would take something like this for, give, for me to give up my Canadian citizenship. I don't even know if she's an R or a D. I don't care. She's all in on this series. Wants it to continue. She wants it to. It's, I don't believe uh, that that's an option when she was asked about uh, canceling the series. Politics are getting involved. <clears throat> Look out. Uh, Brian Walton, and by the way, I, I kid. Um, Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com joins. I'm not, I'm not kidding about what she said. I'm right. kidding about, you know. Uh, uh, Brian Walton, the CardinalNation.com joins the program. Cardinals, the beat goes on. Three and a half in front, five for them to play, six for the Brewers to play. Brian joins the program. Brian, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, Brian Walton. How are you? Hey, it's always a pleasure to come on when the news is good. Yes, indeed it is. <laughs> Brian, um, look, I picked them to win the division at the beginning of the year. I did. Um, I thought the Cubs would win it as the season unfolded. They have been unbelievable since, uh, what, uh, well, really after the All-Star break, but just an historic run from about the 10th of August onward. What's the big, if you could only pinpoint to one thing, what has been the reason for the turnaround? Well, and just before I answer your question directly, if you go back to June 9th, because it was a time when we were on and had the discussion, the Cardinals went into Wrigley. They were swept three straight, run differential of about nine or ten runs. It looked like the Cardinals were cooked. They're under 500, five and a half games out. Since then, the Cardinals have gone 59 and 35, and the mm. Cubs 45 and 47. Mm. So, you know, you see the Cardinals' turnaround really began even before the All Star break. Yep. But then, of course, they picked up momentum afterward, and the Cubs were basically just treading water. And, you know, it's really interesting when you look at the Cardinals. Certainly the starting pitching and Jack Flaherty leading the way has been uh, especially good the last month or so. But there's not a single MVP candidate. There's not a league leader candidate. There's not a Cy Young Award candidate. If you look up and down the roster, some nights it's Goldschmidt. Some nights it's Ozuna, sometimes it's Tommy Edmonds, sometimes it's Flaherty, sometimes it's Michaelis. It seems like it's a different guy every night, but the Cardinals are doing just enough to win all the games they need to win. We've heard plenty from the Cubs' perspective over the weekend and just how devastating it was, leads in many of those games, and losing in just all kinds of different fashions. The Cardinals' perspective, though, had to be completely different. What was it to see them do that in Wrigley Field and do it the Cardinals' way, the fashion that they did in those four straight wins? Yeah, it's, you know, it, again, back to that June series, if you look at those games, the Cubs had excellent starting pitching. Hamels, Lester, Hendricks all mm-hmm. pitched and won their games. You look back to this last weekend, and all of a sudden now you had the game turned over to the Cubs' bullpen, which has been a sore 
yep. you know, problem for them all year. And Kimbrell took two losses. But, you know, the guy they went out and spent a lot of money for as a closer couldn't get the job done. And, you know, it just the, the Cubs have had certainly had some injuries, especially uh, on the offensive side as well as in the rotation. But that, you know, not addressing that bullpen has turned out to be, or addressing it with maybe the wrong guy, I don't know. But, you know, has has proved to be their Achilles heel this year, I think. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, uh, what's what's Schilt doing with his closing spot? Is it just, um, you know, he's got the luxury right now that he can rest Martinez, and when, you know, when Miller needs a break, Martinez goes back in there because he seems to be, you know, depending on the night, it's Andrew Miller, it's Carlos Martinez at the end of ballgames. Well, Carlos Martinez had a, you know, a very strong, he had like 11 straight games where he didn't give up a run before he had, you know, a, a slip. Uh, but the, the Cardinals still came back and, you know, managed to win that game in Wrigley. So, uh, Andrew Miller, though, has really improved his slider. It's, it's, you know, looking much better than it did earlier in the years, such that now they're comfortable with letting Miller pitch to more than just left-handed batters. For a while, they had, you know, kind of kept him to being a, you know, lefty one-out guy, and that's not, you know the, why they're spending all the money for Andrew Miller, and then the, and then the Giovanni Gallegos, the the guy they got from the Yankees in the Luke Voigt trade, he's also proved to be a solid setup man and uh, picked up a save in the first game in Chicago. So they've got two good guys setting up Martinez. But if Martinez is you know available, you know he will be the closer. But he's worked you know extremely heavily. He's picked up something like. I, I feel like five saves in the last seven or eight games. So, you know, they're riding the bullpen pretty hard. Mike Schild is not leaving his starters in too long. You know, he's he's erring on the side of, uh, you know, trusting his bullpen, and so far that formula's worked. Paul Goldschmidt with the home run last night in his return to Arizona, his 32nd of the year. It's been inconsistent at times, but how do you consider Goldschmidt and his year in St. Louis, what you've seen from him? Well, you know, Paul Goldschmidt set such a high standard for himself, given, you know, his years of success, six all-star games, et cetera. You know, and, you know, going back to Chase Field is obviously a, uh, an emotional thing for him. But, you know, he, he, he's had a really fine season for the Cardinals. It's just not a Paul Goldschmidt MVP contending year. And, you know, you look up and down the Cardinals lineup and the, the guys that you expected to have, you know, the big years have either had injuries or, pro- or problems or all the above. And so Goldschmidt has kind of been just one of the guys as opposed to the, the, the guy. And, but, you know, he's still got some big, good baseball in him. He's still in his early 30s, and uh, you know, the Cardinals signed with that long-term deal before he ever played a game. So, you know, he should be a part of this lineup for a long time in the future. Yeah, no doubt about it. Who's the uh, manager of the year in the National League? Is it Snitker or is it Schilt? You know, I think Snitker probably has the advantage given that he's been building up to this. If you look at the Atlanta Braves, I mean, they have won more games every year since 2015, and that was even before Snitker took over. But still, you look at that young Braves team, and they've made great progress. They have an outside chance of winning 100 games this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Schilt certainly has come on. If you if you had a manager of the second half, Mike Schilt might be the guy. But I, I think the Atlanta, you know, the manager deserves uh, deserves it this year. And that's going to be the matchup in the first round. Once we get to that point, it seems like it's going to be Cardinals and the Braves. The Braves won, and they haven't seen each other in the second half of the series. Do you remember back early in the season? Obviously, this is a different Cardinal team as far as their results. I think the series went 4-2 in favor of the Braves. Um, but what is it about this? Uh, if you, As you think back, what went wrong against that team? This is obviously a different Cardinal team that we'll see play them next week. Well, Freddie, Freddie Freeman uh, you know, seems to have the Cardinals' number. 
uh, you know, the first baseman of the of the Braves. Mm-hmm. Now, he's got some health issues right now. He's not playing. They're trying to rest him up for the playoffs, but he's not 100% kind of paralleling the, the situation the Cubs had with Rizzo. So, uh, but, you know, Josh Donaldson and then, of course, the young guys like Acuna, you know, they and plus their strong starting pitching, uh, Soroka, uh, Fulte, you know, a bunch of them. So, you know, the Braves have a, just a very good young team. Uh, but as you said, things are different from earlier in the season when the Braves took four out of six. Now, they will have the home field advantage, the Braves will, so that means games one and two will be in Atlanta uh, with games three and four, if necessary, back in St. Louis. We're uh, talking right now with Brian Walton as we take a look at the Cardinals. Rotation-wise, how would it set up? It looks like uh, unless anything crazy happens here, it will be the Cardinals and the Braves in that uh, DS. And, and with it, how do you set the rotation? What do you look like knowing first two are going to be on the road? Well, Trent, that's uh, interesting you should mention that because I posted just this morning an article uh, with my predictions for the NLDS roster. Granted, early, the wild, you know, the magic number is still three, but, I mean, odds are 98% the Cardinals are going to win the division. I think what the Cardinals will do, definitely they want Flaherty to be their game one starter. He's the most uh, dependable. He's been the guy who's had the tremendous second half. Then the question is, in game two, do you have the veteran Miles Michaelis or do you use the rookie Dakota Hudson? And neither one of them have been particularly good home away. Uh, where there's a big split, but I think you go with the veteran Michaelis. Adam Wainwright has to pitch at home in the third game, and then I think Hudson is game four. And Waka is the fifth guy. I think he'll make the team, but it'll probably be a long reliever. So if it were me, if I were Mike Schilt, I would set my rotation up. Flaherty and Michaelis in Atlanta, Wainwright and Hudson in St. Louis. Mm, is there any uh, tough decisions as far as the uh, the other makeup of the roster, non-pitcher-wise? Well, I think Waka, you know, do, do you carry a fifth starter? But I think Waka becomes a long reliever in that format. I think right. the Cardinals go with, with 13 pitchers. Uh, lefty Henesis Cabrera uh, has come on very nicely. Uh, you know, first-year player, 23-year-old, 22-year-old, very strong thrower. But I think the card he'll probably be the guy pushed out because he would be the third left-hander. On the offensive side, uh, probably Tyler O'Neill. The question, at least in my mind, the last roster spot between a utility guy, uh, Jairo Munoz, who can play infield and outfield, and Tyler O'Neill, who's really a power threat. And I, I would guess the, uh, the edge goes to Munoz. Now, the interesting thing about the playoff roster, right now Colton Wong's hurt. Second baseman Colton Wong's hurt. Uh, they're hoping to get him back from a hamstring injury. While Wong is out, Tommy Edmonds playing second base, and Matt Carpenter's He's back He's been unbelievable. And, and and Carpenter has had a very nice mm-hmm. September. So what happens when Wong comes back? Well, what you could see is Edmund move to the outfield, Dexter Fowler over to center, and Harrison Bader, who is a great defensive player but slumping with the bat, might uh, end up being on the bench in the playoffs. What to get your perspective, saw a report over from Kansas City after Ned Yost announced his retirement. Uh, Mike Matheny might be heading on the other side of the state from you and taking over the Royals. Your thoughts? Well, Matheny was hired by the Royals as a consultant, uh, you know, after he was uh, let go by the Cardinals. So this was kind of telegraphed from the very beginning. And I think one reason why the Royals might have done that is because they knew Bruce Bochy was going to retire in San Francisco. And Matheny had ties to San Francisco as well, played for the Giants uh, to close his career, was very popular there. And I think it was a preemptive move by the Royals to lock up Matheny so the Giants couldn't get their hands on him. Have you seen the, uh, the schedule as far as playoff? Well, they begin on Thursday or Friday. Do you know, Brian? I believe the first game is on the thir- October 3rd. And that's what? I don't know. <laughs> you got me there. I had to pull out the calendar uh, after that one. That would be on Thursday. Thursday the 3rd. All right, Brian, we'll talk to you next week in, in advance of uh, game number one against the Braves. Appreciate it, Brian. Talk to you next week. Yep, talk to you next week. Brian Walton, thecardinalnation.com.
Another nightmare for Andrew Downs trying to squeeze in MLB uh, into the uh, with the radio rights here at KXNO. We'll take a break. We'll didn't talk NFL next uh, with Frank Schwab from YahooSports.com. Eighteen minutes away from that press conference uh, taking place mm. in Ames. I would love to hear some of it, uh, but will Twitter keep us apprised yes, of what's going on? Very quickly with that. Eighteen minutes before eleven, Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, fourteen six KXNO. 24-hour sports anywhere in the world on iHeartRadio. This is 1460 KXNO. Hi, right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. 13 minutes before 11. Let's get right into it. The NFL is where we're going next. Frank Schwab, YahooSports.com, the shutdown corner. Frank joins us to opine on what we've seen in the first three weeks of the season. Frank, good to talk to you. Trenton, Ken, and Des Moines. How are you, Frank? Doing well, doing well. How about you guys? Doing fine. We'll get to the NFC North, maybe the most competitive division so far. Who's the worst team? I thought it was clearly the Dolphins, but after watching the Redskins ineptitude last night, uh, they got to be in the conversation. I guess where I'm going, Frank, is you know there's a handful of really atrocious football teams so far. Yeah, there really are. I mean, uh, we usually don't see teams this bad this early. Right. You get to week 10 and... Teams have either checked out or they're, you know, so banged up that they just can't function anymore. But this is, uh, we're three weeks in and there's a few teams that just have nothing. I mean, it's, and it's pretty obvious. Uh, the Dolphins are the worst. The Dolphins, Dolphins might be the worst team, uh, literally I've ever seen. I, I mean, and that's, I know that's, that sounds like hyperbole, but it's amazing how bad the Miami Dolphins are this year. I, I don't, I wasn't alive for the 1976 Buccaneers, but at least, you know, they had the excuse that they were an expansion team. Right, yeah. the, the Dolphins are just miserably bad. I mean, there's so many stats you could put out for them. And then, you know, until Sam Darnold comes back, the Jets are right mm-hmm. in that category, too. If the if the Jets and Dolphins played on a neutral field today, I don't know who I'd pick. I mean, so, and I just called the Dolphins maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. It, it's not <laughs> yeah. good for the game. It's, it's really not when when you have... You know, there there's a legitimate, you know, four or five teams that just look like they're going to be three, four-win teams. The Dolphins look like they might be a zero-win team. The Redskins look like maybe a two-win team. Who knows? It's it's just not good for the game. If this continues in this fashion and, and maybe tanking becomes a conversation that is so prevalent in the NBA, is there a possibility we'd be looking at a lottery? Is that something that would gain any kind of traction if we continually have this many teams that are this bad and start to tank. You know, I don't think that's worked for the NBA. I, the NBA still has teams that tank because they say well, we're out of it. If we can improve our lottery odds from fourteen percent to nineteen percent, or why wouldn't we lose? Mm. So I don't know necessarily that 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 works. I I don't know what you do. I, I tanking is is bad for the NFL, but it's not bad for teams. Let's you know, it's it's such a dirty word. We say, oh, tanking, you can't tank. Well, you know, I mean, the, the Houston Astros did it, and the Chicago Cubs did it, and they won World Series. And the Philadelphia 76ers did it, and they're much, much better off today than they were. And even you could say that Cleveland Browns were the first team to do it, and they're more competitive now than they have been. I mean, ask Browns fans if they would have rather, instead of going 1-15, and if they would have rather have gone 6-10 and and not get Baker Mayfield. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. so... From a team aspect, I don't – the Dolphins, they might be doing damage with the fan base or the guys in the locker room or whatever. 
But I, I don't necessarily think what they're doing is wrong as far as strategic <laughs> strategic goes. I, I I don't know if it's necessarily in the spirit of the game and all that kind of stuff. That's a different argument. So when you say, you know, what, what can the NFL do, if teams see this as a benefit, I don't really know that there's a solution. I, I, I don't know of one. I, again, NBA teams tank still. They have lottery. So... I don't know necessarily what you do. I, I don't know that there's a, a, a magic solution for all this. Uh, how do you stop the Kansas City Chiefs? <laughs> I don't know that you can. I, I mean, I said, I admit even with you guys before the season, that if Patrick Mahomes had another 5,000-yard, 50-touchdown season, we, we seriously need to th- start thinking about, are we watching the greatest player in NFL history? And that's, I mean, look, 50 and 5,000 have been done one time before Patrick Mahomes started for the Chiefs. He looks like he might do it twice in a row in his first two seasons. This is unbelievable. I mean, he is he is just far exceeding any expectations that we've set for any quarterback ever, really. it's He has 10 touchdowns already. He has no Tyreek Hill, and that hasn't affected him at all. Mm-hmm. Barely any running game last week because guys were hurt. That didn't affect him at all. I think the Chiefs are just on a different level than everybody else offensively. And what we're seeing out of Patrick Mahomes, like, we need to stop. And, uh, you know, I, I know it's tough to put things in historical perspective when we're living in it, but what we're seeing is unprecedented. If he keeps on this pace, and I, I don't see any reason not to, <laughs> that he won't anymore, we need to take a step back and realize, look, this is like Dan Marino in 1985, which is as good as he was in 1984, or if, Peyton Manning's 2013 season, and we came back and did it again in 2014. Like, this is just, it is, it, it's Barry Bonds hitting 73 homers two seasons in a row. Like, this is just unbelievable what we're seeing. And I, I think we need to, to really step back and, and realize what we are witnessing right now. The other heavyweight, Frank, in the AFC, of course, the Patriots have yet to give up a touchdown defensively this year, a kick return and a, uh, a defensive touchdown by the Jets over the weekend here. Patriots just keep humming along. Antonio Brown, he was there for a week, and he's back out. Your thoughts on this team? And this defense looks different than what we've seen here the last few years. Oh, yeah, yeah. Their secondary is unbelievable. I mean, it really is. And you know they're well coached. And it's just, you know, they haven't played the the greatest teams in the world. I'm I'm really interested to see what happens in Buffalo this weekend. Mm -hmm. But this defense looks so legit. And we know the offense is going to be good, even without Antonio Brown. I mean, they're still... Uh, they're still uh, um, a capable offense at very very worst. They're they're probably in top ten still among NFL offenses. So, you know, we think about the Chiefs and the Patriots. I think they're clearly on a different tier than everybody else. And the Patriots just have this much much easier schedule. It's you look and you just say. I wrote this a couple of weeks ago. You look and you say, what is the, the the floor for the Patriots right now? It's probably about thirteen wins. I mean, if you really the look floor, at schedule, yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you really look at their schedule, like mm-hmm. it's hard to find four losses. Let's put it that way. I mean, anything can happen. Brady can get hurt or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you realistically, the Kansas City Chiefs have to be thinking we could go thirteen and three, be the number two seed in the AFC. Like we might need to go fourteen and two, fifteen and one to be the one seed. And I don't think they want to go to Foxborough. I don't know if the Patriots necessarily want to go back to Kansas City either. So. It's going to be a fascinating race. I think it's it's a two team race right yep. now too. I mean, you look around the AFC and it's those two teams are kind of everybody else uh, far far behind. I think it's 
it's really kind of weird how it's it's separated itself after just three games. Yeah, the, thank God for the NFC. At least they got some uh, competitive balance over there. That's going to be a fun race. Hey, let me ask you this. Somebody asked me this because I know I was a Bronco fan. Is, is it time to at least entertain, kick the tires maybe on trading Von Miller? I mean, they, they, uh, this is a bad Broncos team, Frank. I don't have to tell you. You live in Denver. I'm sure you get your fill of uh, Bronco talk uh, on a daily basis, but they're bad. Uh, is it time maybe to at least explore trading Von Miller? Maybe. I, I mean, I get the reasons why. Uh, it depends what you get back, I guess. If, if a team like, let's say, Kansas City, if they say, Hey, yeah, we're we're all in for this year's couple first round picks for your thirty year old pass rusher. I think at that point, yeah, you probably entertain it. Uh, but I'm generally not in favor of, of trading good players. I, I mean, it, it because the NFL can change so fast. That's why if you know if we're talking about NBA, Major League Baseball, it's it's a lot tougher to turn things around in one year. With with football, it's you know you you hit on one big draft and and look at the Colts of last year, the Saints two years ago. And it just can switch instantly. And, they've, and the Broncos have had a couple of good drafts in a row. So I don't know necessarily that I love that idea. Depending, It just depends on what you get. It, if somebody comes to you with an offer that's really going to set you up pretty well in the future, sure. Yeah, then, yeah, okay, let's, let's think about this. But otherwise, I don't know. I don't sell low. Let's put it that way. I, I, might, I might take some phone calls, but I'm not exactly shopping him and trying to get rid of him. I, I think at some point... He's a Hall of Fame type player. You don't, you just don't generally get rid of those guys unless there's a, a really weird circumstance. So I'm not necessarily in favor of it, but I, I don't know what they could fetch for me. Frank, let's go to the most important division here in our mm. neck of the woods, the NFC North. You got the undefeated so good. Lions and Packers. You got the Vikings defense looking like they're back and they're running the football. And the Bears, of course, and what they can do defensively. Packers, the favorite in this division, and... How wide open is it? Are you a believer at all in this Lions team? It is wide open. I'm not a believer in the Lions. But consider this. The four NFC North teams, the only losses have come against each other. The the Packers beat the Bears. The Packers beat the Vikings. That's it. Like, I, I, it's, you know, the Lions still haven't lost. They tied. Right. It felt like a loss, but it wasn't a loss. <laughs> I think that... I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to make of the Packers right now. I really don't because their offense has not been good. They didn't outplay the Denver Broncos. They won, but the Broncos had a bad holding call and a touchdown. that came back. They had to fumble at their own five yard line. They had another turnover that really turned that game. If you watch that game, Broncos weren't overmatched at all. And I just keep waiting for this Packers offense to wake up, and it just hasn't. It's it's not very good right now. It was good for about one quarter against the Vikings, and that's it. And they had the big plays to to Velda Scantling in the first quarter against the Broncos, but that was about it. It's this isn't the Aaron Rodgers we we remember. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Rodgers isn't the same guy. I don't know if they've just had a bad scheduling thing. They, they did play the Bears, Vikings, and Broncos, who and maybe the Broncos don't have great defense, but they're capable. I, I don't know if it's it's Lafleur's offense isn't good. I don't. I just don't know. I keep waiting for this offense to kind of explode a little bit. Until it does, though, I, the Vikings I think are the best team now. I still need to see the Vikings beat a good team. Like that's the whole deal with the Kirk Cousins era. They have beat the heck out of yep. bad teams, and they have not beat one good team. It's, it's, you could go back. On, I've made this reference before. If you're the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee and you're reviewing the 19 games Kirk Cousins have played with the Vikings, <laughs> you say, there's not one quality win. You don't have one quality win on that schedule. We'll see against Chicago. I think that's a really interesting game and a test to see, 
can the Vikings beat a quality opponent? And until they do, it's tough for me to sit there and say they're going to beat out the Bears and Packers in the division. But they sure, when they play the Falcons and the Raiders of the world, they look like champions. So a great race, great division. I am, I'm so, this is easily the best division in football. And I'm really interested to see where it goes. Laquan Treadwell back to the Vikings. Uh, BB is hurt apparently. So Treadwell back on the roster. Frank, we're out of time. Thank you. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. YahooSports.com, shutdown corner, Frank Schwab. Appreciate it, Frank. Sounds good. Good to talk to you. Frank Schwab on the NFL. All right, press conference a couple of minutes away. We'll follow Twitter and react to what we see on Twitter. comes out of Iowa State. Uh, We will see. Mm. The governor hath spoken. She's not pleased. She doesn't want to see it end. Nor do I. Uh, 11 o'clock hour next. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO.